The following program contains coarse language. Viewer discretion is advised. This show is part of the Dayspace Podcast Network. The opinions expressed on this show only reflect of the individual hosts who say them, and not of Dayspace Studios or any of its affiliates. This is not your mom's podcast. This is pure random chaos. Welcome to the Green Podcast. Ridiculous puppets we are, and what a gross little stage we dance on. What fun we have, dancing, fucking, not a care in the world. Not knowing that we are nothing. We are not what was intended. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Greeny Podcast. This is episode 95. I'm your host, Greeny, coming to you from the Southern Comfort Studio. Um, so, I have no guests this week. I have no co-host. Um, it is what it is, but uh, the show must go on, so um, let's get started with some things. Uh, so this week, guys, we lost a, uh, we lost, the music world lost a, another good uh, musician, uh, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, Audio Slave, Temple of the Dog, passed away on uh, May 17th, which was this Wednesday, past Wednesday, after a concert in uh, uh, Chicago, I think it was Chicago, uh, uh, Detroit, sorry, Detroit Rock City. So he was in Detroit Rock City, did a concert, and uh, passed away. Um, it, it came out that it was unexpected, it was an unexpected death, then it came out that it was suicide. Um, so I decided to sit down and, and do a show on uh, basically the sound of Seattle because Chris Cornell was one of the, um, he was one of the uh, pioneers basically of the sound that came out of Seattle. Uh, there were other bands before him, before Soundgarden and Temple of the Dog and Audio Slave. Uh, so basically, what we're going to be talking about on this episode is the sound of Seattle, the the, mu the music, the bands that uh, that came out of uh, Seattle that basically put Seattle on the map for the way the music was, uh, the culture, the different sounds. Um, it's it's weird to, to do this, being that um, this is the music that I grew up listening to as a teenager. This music uh, influenced me in a big way. Um, it, uh, it 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 pushed the boundaries and showed that hey, it just it just pushed the boundaries and, and it made a new genre of music and it showed that. Uh, you could play whatever you wanted and uh, you know look a certain you don't have to look a certain way because right around that time of when they when Seattle started getting big with this music uh, 80s hair bands were still around love ballads all that garbage was still around and if you notice how music goes through over time there's always like the 60s had the doors and then the 70s and then the 80s and stuff like that um, they, son of a bitch, I gotta silence my phone, but, um, they, uh, every genre has a different thing to it, and it feels like 
you know, like the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on. And it feels like every time there's a different shift in the music, uh, it's because of a different genre of music. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on the show. Uh, we're going to do the top 10 most inf in influent influential bands that came out of Seattle and the top 10 songs from those bands or from the band's top 10 songs that came out of Seattle that defined that era of music. All right, all right, all right. So let's get into what um, grunge or alternative is, basically. Um, grunge, or the Seattle sound, is a subgenre of alternative rock and subculture that emerged during the mid-80s in the Pacific Northwest state of Washington, particularly in Seattle and nearby towns. The early movement revolved around Seattle's independent later, uh, record label, Sub Pop, and the region's underground music scene. Um, by the 90s, it was popular, it was, its popularity had spread with, um, with alternative acts appearing in California, then surfacing towards other parts of the United States and Australia, building strong followings and signing major record deals. Um, Grunge basically became commercial, commercially successful in the first half of 1990s due to the release of Nirvana's Nevermind, Pearl Jam's 10, Soundgarden's Super Unknown, Alice in Chains' Dirt, and Stone Temple Pilots' Core. Uh, but I wanted to stick basically with the Seattle sound because there was a lot of bands in C that came out of Seattle before all these other bands made it to the main scene. And uh, uh, the bands in Seattle basically did it first. So right now we're going to go over the uh, top 10 uh, most influential Seattle bands that started it all off. So uh, we'll start with number 10, Candlebox. Uh, they, were, uh, they were roundly chastised for their... Uh, the radio staples in their self-titled debut in '93, but they were um, they were a staple of, of Seattle scene with the anger and the dis disenchantment hits like "Far Behind," and they basically became the template for mainstream rock bands and the combina combination of truthfulness and uh, introspection. Uh, basically, they helped uh, pioneer the way for the slow. Uh, deep feeling, felt anger uh, type songs that would uh, later progress into other bands that came out. Uh, number nine, Mud Honey. Uh, they basically uh, March to Fuzz was one of the greatest hits compilation to span the 80s and 90s peaks, including their immortal single Touch Me, I'm Sick. Um, they were basically a class clown, basically. Uh, they flaunted a mess, messy looseness that guaranteed that they'd never be superstars, but did result in a series of playful albums that, uh, that sounded like they were recorded live in a garage. That's where the garage sound comes from. That's where the, the dirtiness of grunge sort of comes from. Uh, number eight is a band that I absolutely love they're not really a band themselves it's just like a super group uh temple the dog 
Uh, Temple the Dog united members of Pearl Jam and Soundgarden to play tribute to uh, Andrew Wood, who was the lead singer of Mother Love Bone. The self-titled CD contained uh, numerous um, uh, numerous songs written by Chris Cornell. Uh, it, reveal, it revealed a softer and more romantic side, as well as looking to love, uh, looking to love as a way to help uh, keep grief at bay. This album and this group was was formed after Andrew Wood died. Uh, Chris Cornell and Andrew Wood were uh, roommates, and Chris Cornell found out about his his death when he was overseas on tour with Soundgarden, and uh, so he wrote. A bunch of songs and when he came back they later uh, sat down with with Eddie Vedder and a, and a couple members of uh, that were most people don't know this either um, Mother Love Bone after Andrew Wood died later became Pearl Jam uh, so so they wrote these the, the, Chris Cornell wrote these songs and they finally came back and said hey we're gonna do a one-off and so they did one album and they did a bunch of songs on it. And if you haven't listened to it, I recommend it. I highly recommend it. Uh, number seven, Mother Love Bone. Uh, what could you say about these guys? Uh, Andrew Wood, he his um, he his voice and, and the way he uh, had that melodical spirit. Uh, with his the way he he he, if you go back and, and listen to, to early stuff of Mother Love Bone, or if you even go to find the documentary on Andrew Wood, uh, it shows how uh, he he played from the heart, and he was he had a big influence on a lot of bands that that came out of Seattle. Um, like I said, listen to Stardog Champion or Chloe. Um, or you know what I mean? Those were those two songs there were were just show his voice and show that style of how music was going from the late '80s hair bands to a more um, get your rage out in a slower kind of fast paced kind of way. Uh, so number six, Green River. Um, these guys. Uh, the former members of, the, of this band also contributed to Pearl Jam. Uh, their mid-80s output remains a mystery to most rock fans, but seek out Dry as a Bone, Rehab Doll, like which plays um, like a blueprint for 90s music. So, I mean, you're, uh, it basically is, is the blueprint of grunge. So go check out Green River. Uh, Screaming Trees. I I'll tell you what about Screaming Trees. I uh, listened to one of their albums, and uh, I was turned on to them just just by uh, their popularity. Um, they came out in 1996, 1996, and they were like a garage yacht rock unit. And uh, the strongest album to that to that year was Dust, and barely made a ripple. But the band. Uh, left behind a legacy of gritty rock that rejected studio polish, and it was pure raw. Um, lead singer Mark Langdon has m since moved on and is a contributing occasional vocalist to uh, Queen of the Stone Age. So make sure to check out Screaming Trees. Uh, number four, uh, 
Allison Chains. What can you say? Um, Allison Chains was like a hallmark of the Seattle bands with their dark lyrics. They dug deep. Uh, nobody else really dug deep. They uh, utilized metal's grim urgency while um, foregoing the accessibility of popularity. They uh, chronolo chronicled the surge of drug addictions on albums like Dirt. Uh, Lane Staley howled and wailed like a man up to his chin in quicksand. But he died in 2002 of an overdose, kind of like Shannon, Mo Shannon or um, Andrew Wood and, and everything like that. Um, you know, I love Alice in Chains. Every album that I, I like, the, the guy that is singing now for Alice in Chains does a good job, but he's not Elaine Staley at all. So we'll move on to uh, number three, Soundgarden. Let me tell you about Soundgarden. When I first heard Black Hole Sun uh, off their super, off their super, uh, off of Super Unknown, this album like m put it in stone with with the guitars, with with uh, Chris Cornell's voice, just his voice alone in Black Hole Sun. It was like. Uh, Black Sabbath met Led Zeppelin and had a baby, and boom, you had Soundgarden. And I don't think we'll ever... There, I really don't think we'll ever have another person that sounds like Chris Cornell. They, they, they might have, um, you know, uh, tribute bands coming out, but nobody will have that voice. And if you go and listen to him singing Billie Jean or any of the covers, the Prince's song, the Prince song that he did, oh my god, it's fucking awesome, even his solo stuff, uh, you, you know, so Soundgarden had a big influence on, uh, that's why they're at the number four, or number three, uh, so we move up to Pearl Jam, um, Eddie Vedder's voice, uh, Ten, the album, made their name, but, uh, they've, <laughs> they've dropped other albums and, and, and cemented themselves for, uh, you know, through time with with that and they, and they've um, grown themselves as musicians and, and like I said not a lot of people know that the former members of Mother Love Bone are in Pearl Jam so like I said go back and check Mother Love Bone out and you'll see the influence from Mother Love Bone all the way up to Pearl Jam and dude Eddie Vedder's solo stuff if you haven't checked that out yet go check that out that dude's got a voice on him and you know, um, there was a meme going around the other day that had uh, Lane, it had uh, Kurt Cobain, it had um, Scott from STP, but here's the thing, Scott wasn't even from Seattle, so, but it also had Chris Cornell on it, and it, and it had Eddie Vedder on it, and it said at the bottom, somebody please protect Eddie, and put him in a bubble or something. Um, I, You know, Eddie hasn't come out and said anything publicly about this yet, the uh, two members that have from Pearl Jam have, have you know, um, given their respects to Chris Cornell uh, because he was in um, a big influence on them with Temple of the Dog, Mother Love Bone, the whole nine. That's the number two. Uh, the number one band, of course, is Nirvana. I don't think Nirvana should be the most influential Seattle band because without Mother Love Bone or uh, any other bands, 
um, Nirvana wouldn't be there. But then again, I, I do see why they are the number one band. They they made it first. They came onto uh, the scene when air, when hair metal was a thing. Um, they attacked uh, insecurities and social awkwardness with a with sardonic humor. And their frontman Kurt Cobain made punk uh, platable to the masses with impossible catchy radio hooks. Nevermind was the group's highest high watermark, making the case that personal anguish could be the basis for a powerful songwriting that reached millions of listeners. Uh, when Nirvana imploded after Kurt Cobain's suicide, the group spawned one of the contemporary rock's biggest acts, Foo Fighters. So that Seattle sound is still there with Foo Fighters. Um, I don't know what the guys in Soundgarden are going to do, but like I said, um, it, it all folds back into how everybody got here. And uh, that's the top 10 influential Seattle bands right there. Alright, so now we're going to do the top 10 songs that came out of Seattle, out of the Seattle Sound, and we're going to go from number 10 to number 1. Now these are the top, my top 10 songs that I think came out of Seattle. Um, so, again, if you, if you have a different category, or not category, but if you have a different, um, List. You can go ahead and throw them and go ahead and comment on this video or uh, audio uh, wherever you're listening, whether it be Podcast Garden, uh, Spreaker, uh, SoundCloud, uh, or if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on DaySpace or watching us on DaySpace.com. Uh, leave a comment. Let me know your top ten. So let's start off the top ten. Uh, number ten for me would be Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun. Um, this, it's like a dark-eyed track spurred by Kim Thale's deranged guitar lead and Chris Cornell's, Chris Cornell's ominous lyrics. The video, dude, this video is all over MTV and it basically, um, basically got them attention and the, the attention that Seattle or this band was looking for and if you haven't listened to this song, or there's a couple different Soundgarden. There's another down, uh, Soundgarden song in here too, that uh, that I have as my top ten too. But we're we're gonna move up to uh, number nine. Uh, nine number nine uh, would be for me, Mud Honey, In and Out of Grace. Um, basically, lyrics began with we want we want to be free to do what we want to do. Um, in and Out of Grace started with a sound clip from Peter Fonda's character in The Wild Ones and eventually giving way to punk-infused, low-free greatness and blistering vocals. Um, the song illustrates why Mud Honey was one of the greatest, best early on. Um, they, um, Mark Arm and the company had everything their peers had, and In and Out of Grace is a true testament for that. So, Mud Honey In and Out of Grace is number nine for me. Number eight. This is this is one that not a lot of people are gonna like, but I think it uh, it's a reason why it's at number eight, and that's Holes Violet. Uh, Violet captures the fierce fierceness of the times, a vitality a, a vitality that is only the best bands could concur in the whole. 
I know a lot of people don't like Courtney Love, and um, this song came off of Live Through This, their sophomore album, but, dude, her raw voice in, in this song, go and listen to it. I mean, it just stands out alone, and it's fucking amazing. Um, I'm not a real big fan of Hold, but this song is fucking awesome. That's why it's at my number eight. So we're going to go to number seven. Oh, man, where'd it go? Oh, there it is, there it is. Um, Mad Season, River of Deceit. Uh, Mad Season brought together a heavy hitters like Mike McCready of Pearl Jam, Bam Martin of the Screaming Trees, and Lane Staley of Alice in Chains. Uh, Staley really shines on this one. It's close to being triumphant, but it's Staley who brings everything back to reality. The only direction is we flow is down. He sings before cooing down, oh down. Go listen to this. Mad Season was fucking phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's another super group, kind of like Temple of the Dog, that just brought everything out. And, uh out of these awesome musicians that came out of Seattle. So go listen to Mad Season. Uh, River of Deceit. Fucking phenomenal, like I said. Um, for uh, Number six is another Soundgarden song. Um, Outshined. It's from, it was from uh, Bad Motor Finger, their first record from A&M, and they, and they Guaranteed got them national attention. It features uh, the best of the band's skill set by the slutty guitar riffs, or sludgy guitar riffs, um, uh, the bridges, and, and the platform for Chris Cornell to show off his, his, his vocal chops. Um, the song may have been out of, out, about being down and out, but dude, it, it was fucking Another good song by by this band. Uh, it showed that they were versatile in what they could do. It showed their skills. That's why it's at my number six. Soundgarden, Outshined. Alright, so now we're going to get into the top five. We did the bottom five. Now we're going to do the top five, starting with number five. Um, Serve the Serpents. Serve the Servants by Nirvana. This, uh, this was off the, this, this was their, uh, follow-up to, uh, Nevermind. It was off of the In Utero, In Utero, In Utero CD. Um, it was, they had, it was like, they had no intention, they want, that they would, they had no intention on creating another pop record, basically. And they wanted to show that they had their, uh, Warbling Surf-esque riff and their choruses were raw. It had a coarse hook with a masterwork that furthered, and it showed how uh, Cobain's knack for bruised and brooding songwriting. Uh, it was the beginning of the end of the band, but all but at the at the time, Nirvana se seemed uh, invincible. And serve the servants if you haven't listened to it off of In Utero, go listen to it. I know there's a lot of people that only listen to like certain songs and certain albums, but I'm saying, man, go listen to. Uh, Nirvana serve the servants for sure that it's I love it I, like I said it's it 
they didn't want to create a pop album like uh, Nevermind. I don't think Nevermind was a pop album, but it, it got mainstream play, and that's what they weren't really looking for. They were looking to put their sound on the map, and they did it, and it got a lot of play because it was a different style of music, so they had to uh, go back with uh, In Utero and, and just blast it out there to, uh, to show you that they, they weren't just a one-hit wonder. Um, number four is Pearl Jam's Animal. Uh, it came off of the Versus album. It, uh, it is engaging in, in, in all of the anguish and, and anxiety it captures. Uh, the sound, it's sound, it's the band, band positively freaking out. And it shows how Eddie Vedder's throat shredded. His vocals could shred in, in, in the big, the uh, blazing guitar work of Mike Recruity and Stone Gossard, which Stone, which Stone was actually in uh, Mother Love Bone. So, I mean, if you go listen to Mother Love Bone and you come back and listen to Pearl Jam, you can see how he grew from a young guitar player to now with Pearl Jam. And uh, this is off the Versus album. And uh, they... Uh, they didn't want to be in the limelight, and uh, this is arguably the, the best album, I think, also. Versus was probably, one, besides 10, I mean, Versus and 10 are, are, like, up there for me. But I think Versus kind of blows it away with Animal, so that's my number four. Uh, number three is another um, Nirvana song. It came off of uh, their Bleach uh, debut album. It's called Blue, uh, B L E W. Uh, it it show, showcased Cobain's talent from menacing guitar hook to the mentoring vocals. Uh, it just showed that this band was ready to show you more because it went Bleach, Nevermind, and then so on and so on. But as he, as you get into Bleach, it just shows like the different way his vocals were and uh, Sub Pop was like I said Sub Pop was the label out there in Seattle that basically signed all these bands and got them their their big break so number three would be uh, Blue from Nirvana's Bleach album uh, there's a lot of bands, like, I'm looking at this, I gotta, I'm not gonna lie, I'm looking at a list of, of, of things that I've written down on, uh, on my computer here, and there's so many different bands that are, are labeled grunge, that they're not from Seattle, but they can be, like, um, Silverchair's Tomorrow, and they're an Australian, they were an Australian teenage grunge band, man, and Frog Stomp, fuck, man, when you when I heard Frog Stomp and I was like, whoa, where'd these guys come from? And I heard it was Australia. Tomorrow, the song Tomorrow. Go listen to that, man. You can tell it, it it's influenced by the, the sound of Seattle. You can it, it was just boom. It was it was fucking awesome. But it also showed that grunge was on its last stand and Frog Stomp kind of made it clear that there wasn't much room for uh grunge to grow anymore, but I don't think, like, everybody calls it grunge, and grunge itself wasn't exactly grunge, it was alternative music, grunge itself was the way they dressed, uh, but, you know, everybody has their, 
fucking labels on shit. So, uh, we're going to number two. Uh, Screaming Trees. When I first heard the Screaming Trees, I was, uh, not a big fan, but then I sat down and listened to, uh, Sweet Oblivion, and I fucking love that entire album. Uh, what made this band so interesting, they didn't follow the status, the status quo. Uh, the Screaming Trees basically were only concerned about writing solid, straightforward songs, and that was fucking cool. They didn't care about getting out there, but Dollar Bill is, it has all the tropes and tricks of, of grunge, of grunge, but it has a more, uh, sophisticated level, um, that the, that other bands were not, were lacking. So, I mean, Dollar Bill was awesome. Like I said, Sweet Oblivion was awesome. Go check out Screaming Trees. All right, so my number one is, is kind of, uh, my number one song out of the top ten songs that came out of Seattle, um, is, uh, <laughs> it's Mother Love Bones, Crown of Thorns. Um, Andrew Wood, like I said, man, it's his vocals and the musical, uh, the, mu the, the guys playing the guitars like Stone and bassist Jeff Ammett, who would, who would later go on to be part of Pearl Jam. Um, you know, go listen to Crown of Thorns, Thorns, or it fucking, it, from his vocals to just the way the music is played and, and how it shapes everything, go listen to Mother Love Bone itself. Uh, they were a big influence on a lot of these bands that, that first, that started in Seattle, um, that's my top ten, but there there's other bands that, that came around, um, like uh, Green River, uh, Swallow My Pride. Um, let's see who else? Um, Seven Year Bitch, they were fucking good. Uh, let's see, like I said, Silver Chair, Paw. There's a whole list of bands that you could say. Um, there's a whole list of bands that were thrown in the grunge category that weren't even from Seattle, but they were grunge or alternative, and, and they could be on this list too, but I wanted to make the top ten that came out of Seattle, you know what I mean, because the Seattle sound is where everything started with a uh, sub-pop label that gave a lot of these bands the, uh, the avenue to get out there and, and be shown. Alright, so like I said, Chris Cornell passed away on Thursday, or Wednesday of this past week. Uh, Rock on the Range was uh, this, this weekend, and uh, a lot of bands, a lot of bands have paid tribute to him. Uh, everybody from Stone Sour, Aerosmith, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Heart, um, they've all played songs from either Soundgarden, um, Audio Slave, uh, his solo album. Um, basically, he committed suicide, um, but his wife is saying that it could have been an accidental overdose from anxiety medication. He, uh, his wife basically said his what his. It, his death is a loss that escapes words and has created an, an emptiness 
in her heart that will never be filled. Everybody knew Chris Cornell as a devoted father, husband, he, and uh, his world revolved around his family first and, of course, his music second. He flew home for Mother's Day to spend time with the family before he flew out midday Wednesday for the day of the show in Chicago. Um, she said that uh, following the concert on Wednesday night of Soundgarden, she noticed a uh, change in her husband's demeanor, and when they talked on the phone after the show, he she noticed he was slurring his words and he was different. He had taken um, an extra Ativan or two. She contacted security to find out the check on him because she couldn't get through with him after the show. Uh, medical reports will follow uh, and, and tell really what happened. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail on how he committed suicide or anything like that because that's not my part to do. Um, I know uh, a lot of people, a lot of middle-aged men go through, uh, are, are becoming on the rise of suicide. And it's not just Chris Cornell. Uh, the most shocking fact that comes out of this is middle-aged American men who take their own lives is 121 Americans die each day by suicide. According to the Center for Disease Control, and 93 of them are men. Uh, and in fact, American men make up bulk of the suicide nationwide. Uh, 7 out of 10 male are between the ages of 45 and 65. Uh, Middle-aged men, suicide is a silent crisis, one that experts often comes as a surprise to loved ones. Blah, blah, blah. They don't seek help. Um, they seem normal and everything like that. I really didn't want to get into this, but I figured why not. Um, I know of people that have committed suicide, uh, and it's a hard thing to deal with, and with depression, anxiety, the whole nine. Um, you know, people aren't going to ask for help. But there are people out there to help. There are suicide hotlines out there. There are numbers you can call. Um, you know, the only thing I can say on all of this is if you feel at any time you need to talk to somebody, hit me up. Hit the Greeny podcast up on uh, on our email. I check that shit every day, so um, you know I'll talk to whoever. Uh, shit, if you, even if you have my personal phone number, you can call me and we'll talk. Or I'll give you a number to a hotline to where you can talk. Uh, don't be ashamed of, of being depressed or anything like that. Uh, seek help. Uh, you have loved ones out there. So um, think of that before anything. I, I know... I know it's being selfish or whatnot, but uh, people call it selfishness. People, uh, you know, during when Chris Cornell first, when Chris Cornell uh, first came over, that uh, he had passed away, and people found out it was suicide. People were saying things like, "How could he be so selfish?" and this and that, and blah blah blah. You don't know what the fuck was going on with the dude. You don't know. His state of mind. Nobody does. Nobody knows anybody's state of mind. And to judge somebody, 
it just goes along with what's wrong with this country and, and the healthcare issues and uh, uh, the way uh, things are being defunded with mental health and stuff like that. People aren't getting the help that they need. Uh, the help is out there, people. Uh, there's hotlines out there. There's people to talk to you. Uh, so, like I said, if I can help one person and that one person can learn and go on and help another person, that's fucking awesome. But on that note, I'm going to get off of here. Uh, until next week, we'll be back. Make sure to check out all the links in the description of this video or audio or wherever the fuck you're listening to us at. Until next week, peace the fuck out.